welcome to the OKC Community Podcast. We are so glad you're here. To get the latest updates or to watch this week's message, visit our website at okccommunitychurch.com. Well, hi, everyone. You all ready to start 2023? Yeah. This is not just any Sunday, right? It hits a little different. As we are about to embark, I know some of you are going to start with new goals and new health focus and new spiritual focuses all starting this week. And I'm all for it. Go for it. New year, new year. Do it, right? Do it all. We're excited. For our church, I am truly believing that 2023 is going to be a powerful and fruitful year for us. I've been praying and I've really felt in prayer and felt deeply in my heart that God has something in store for our story as a church this year that's significant. I don't know exactly what it is yet, but I know it's important. And I believe that it all begins with us saying to him that we're going to surrender this year to you. I've been saying it this way. 2023 is all for him. 2023 is all for him. In fact, look at your neighbor right now, right now and just say, it's all for him. I really believe that I want to be able to say that not only is it all for you, God, but I am all in for you, God. I want you to be able to say, I'm all in for you, God. Today, we are starting a series we are calling Fire in Our Hearts, and I'm wearing the hoodie to prove it. We're going all in, fire in our hearts. I'm very pumped about this. I'm excited about it. Mm. I believe God has something for us actually to start today. This language, fire in our hearts, it's not just Christianese that looks good on a hoodie. It's actually from the Bible. All right? This is biblical language. And it's my favorite image in the scriptures with this fire in our hearts language is actually out of the book of Jeremiah. And I don't know if you know much about Jeremiah or that book. But Jeremiah was a prophet. He was a prophet of God. And this, he's, he's a prophet to the Israelites during what was known as the Babylonian captivity. And he would tell people what... God was telling him to tell him. And believe it or not, people back then, they would hear him and they would ignore what he said. They would, they would ignore the word of God. I know that sounds crazy, but back then, God would say something and people would ignore it. God would say, do this, and people would say, eh. So I know that's crazy to think about because we've got it figured out these days. It may be a little too early in the message to be sarcastic, I'm feeling. We've got, we, we've got some work to do too, but Jeremiah, he... He's been preaching, he's been prophesying, he's been going after it, and people continue to say, ah, you know, I, I don't really need to turn my heart to God, I've I got, got business to attend to. Or he'd say, hey, I need you to go and get pure before the Lord, flee from sexual immorality. And they'd say, ah, you know, I think I'm just going to do what I want to do. I mean, everybody else is doing it, why not me too? So, so there was this, this air of, I'm, I'm hearing from the word of the Lord, this is Jeremiah, yet everybody's ignoring me. And he had this moment where he's like, I think I'm done. I think I want to quit. This isn't worth it. I don't want to do this anymore. Nobody's even listening to me. And this, I love this scripture out of Jeremiah chapter 20, verse 9. We read it. He says, but if I say, I'll never mention the Lord or speak in his name. So if I quit, well, his word burns in my heart like a fire. It's a fire in my bones. I am worn out trying to hold it in. I can't do it. Jeremiah, Jeremiah's like, God's word in me is like a fire in my heart. And if I try and stop it, it's like the fire in my bones begins to burn and I can't contain it. It bubbles up out of me like it's going to explode. This is Jeremiah. This is what he's like. He's like, I want to stop you, God, but I can't. 
You're in me so deeply. The fire is so strong in me that it is gonna, it is uncontainable. This is, this is what, can you imagine? Can you imagine your life being like this? Can you imagine a fire so strong in you that even if you tried to hold it in, you'd be worn out from the exercise? You're like, I can't stop but tell you what God is doing. I want your spiritual imagination to run wild. I want you to imagine if you actually gave 2023 to him. If you actually said 2023 is all for you, God, I'm surrendering it to you. Imagine what's possible. The dreams that you have, like the, the dreams that God has for you, you haven't even conceived them yet. Like you, don't even, you can't even imagine them, right? What if... What if the temperature, your spiritual temperature that you live at right now, that maybe you've lived at for years, what if it went up 20, 30, 100 degrees? What if you had an uncontainable fire for God within you? So for the next number of months, we are going to be building this fire together. There's already been a fire. There already is a fire for God in this church, and I'm so thankful for that. There is a pure, there is an authentic, real, powerful fire for revival hope in this church. It exists, but we want to build it stronger, bigger, and hotter. Amen? Like, that's what we want to do. And I don't want to holy huddle around our own little campfire. That's not what this is about, right? We want a raging fire that makes us stronger, that makes us better, that impacts our city, that stirs up the creativity and the spiritual imagination of God's people for the sake of his purpose and his glory in our days. That's what we want. So I've titled today's message, Turn Up the Heat. Turn up the heat. Come on, let's do it, right? How many of you said that last week when it was like one degree? Turn up the heat. I was like my kids every day, turn up the heat, turn up the heat, Dad. I'm like, I like it at 63. They're like, turn up the heat. I'm calling, I'm calling it turn up the heat because we do want to kindle the fire of God in this church. We want to experience the consuming fire of God's spirit that rests on his people to do things for his purpose. How many of you could use a little spiritual heat this year? Raise your hand. How many of you could use a little spiritual heat? Raise your hand. Come on. Come on, raise your hand. Look at your neighbor right now and say, turn up the heat then. Turn up the heat then. I want, I want, you, to think about, I want you to think about the coldest you've ever been in your life. Go ahead. Go there in your mind. Like, when's the coldest you've ever been? Maybe you've done a polar plunge. Maybe you've been in a blizzard. When's the coldest you've ever been? <laughs> I remember the coldest I've ever been. I, I went to speak at a youth retreat in Wisconsin, and that week some sort of epic Arctic blast hit. And it was negative 20, wind chills negative 30, and I was so unprepared for this moment. All I had with me from shoes was a pair of Sinucks. You guys remember Sinux, like the all-canvas, like beach shoes. And I'm in Wisconsin trudging through the snow. Like, I was so unprepared. It was not even funny. Like, my feet were like ice blocks all week. How many of you guys have experienced negative 20? Anybody? Negative 30. Anybody negative 30? Oh, yeah, we got a Canadian. <laughs> negative 40. Negative 40. Is it just, okay, do I got a 50, negative 50 burger in here? Come on. Hold on. You guys are lying to me. Negative 60. Got somebody back there saying that, what, okay, okay, neg I'm just going to stop right there because I don't believe you anymore, but that's all right. <laughs> we don't need liars in the church, but hey, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Sure, I believe you, between you and the Lord. I what about the hottest you've ever been? Think about the hottest you've ever been. 
Now, in Oklahoma, that's a little hard because sometimes it's like living on the face of the sun in this state. I remember the hottest day in Oklahoma history because I was alive for it, and many of you were too. It was about 10, 11 years ago. Remember the day it got up to 113 degrees? That was the hottest day in Oklahoma history. And uh, so that was like the hottest day I've ever experienced for sure. And I kid you not, I think the heat index was like 2,000 degrees or something like that. But I, I, I kid you not, someone needed to move that week. Like the very next day, it was like 112. He's like, hey, we help you move. And I was like, bro, you should have just said go to hell. Because that's how hot it's going to be. <laughs> I'm fired up today. All right. Anybody experience hotter than 113? 100, okay, 115. Anybody 120? We got 120 sitting next to the liar back there. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> They're like the coldest and the hottest. 100, the hottest it's ever been is 130. So you were close to the hottest temperature ever in the history of the world, 130 degrees, recorded last year in Death Valley. Great name, by the way. Great prices on homes there, all that kind of stuff. 130 degrees last year. The coldest it's ever been is a negative, in case you're curious, negative 128.6. Everybody's favorite vacation destination, the South Pole, known as Antarctica, right? That's crazy, right? Like, anyway, we had a little fun with this because I want to, this is all leading us to a question. And this is a serious question, and this is the question. You can put it on screen. What is your spiritual temperature? What is your spiritual temperature? And I put five little markers up there for you. Just, I want you to pick one of these. Are you freezing? Are you cool? Are you room temp? Are you warm? Are you hot? I just want you to pick one. And listen, this is just between you and yourself, right? You're not going to share this. I'm not going to have you raise your hand. I'm not going to have you share this out loud. This is just me, myself, and I, right? Like, I want you to really identify with this because here's what we know. We know that when we can identify, and here's what I also know is that some of you think hot is actually room temp, but that's okay. That's okay. Everybody's thermometer is their own thermometer. We're not going to judge each other's thermometers today, although some of you have the wrong thermometer in your hand. You're going to eventually change it. But nonetheless, nonetheless, pick your, pick your heat, whatever your flavor is, and, and just go with it, all right? So we're not comparing. We're just kind of self-identifying. Are you freezing? Are you cool? Are you room temp? Are you warm? Are you hot? You got it? You pick one? It's rather common in spiritual language to understand that the hotter the better, right? Like that's what I want to make sure we're all on the same page because it's not... It's not like revival blizzard, it's revival fire, right? It's, it's not white cold passion, it's white hot passion. It's not like freeze, freeze, freeze like an ice cube in me. It's burn, burn, burn like a fire in me. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Why fires? Well, because fires do a lot of things. Fires, first of all, they refine us, they can consume us, and they restore us. Now, there are some bad fires out there, right? Some fires destroy and cause suffering. And whenever we talk about this, we're talking about the fire in our hearts. When there's a fire in our heart that causes destruction and suffering, those are the counterfeit fires. Those are the fires like someone could have a raging passion in their heart that's driven by greed or pride or violence or hatred or lust. Those fires, those passions destroy us. They cause suffering. But there's one fire, there's a consuming fire, the all-consuming fire of God. When it's in our hearts, it does a, a refining work in us that, that enters us into the power and presence of God. So when I ask, what is your spiritual temperature? I realize that some of us in the room have stumbled into a winter storm and we've grown pretty cold to God. And I get that and I understand that and I want to encourage us today. 
Others of us, we, we've been living at room temp for a long time. This is sort of the reality is one day, maybe every once in a while, you kind of you spike the needle, but it's room temp most days. And I think many people who identify with lukewarm, I, I think it's because we, there's some of us in the room that were really good at holding our commitment to our faith. But, you need it, but, but our passion for our faith is lacking. And, and we actually need to kind of flip it. And we, we, need, we at least need to have as much passion as we have commitment. We can't live on commitment alone. And so I want to encourage us, like, your, your commitment is a great thing because it keeps you close to the fire. Your commitment is a wonderful thing. Now use your commitment to build the fire, to build the passion in you. So here's what I want to do. I want to quickly give us three things that we have to do to turn up the heat in our life. This is not the crux of the message, by the way. These three points will end with kind of what I feel like is this call of surrendering this year to him. But to begin, I, I want to give us some practicals. How many of you need to get practical about some things in your life? Anybody? No? Just three? My wife will be in one of them? Cool. <laughs> we all love the promises of God, don't we? But we don't submit to the practicals of God. Mm. We want the power of God, but we struggle with the process of God. So look at your neighbor right now and just say, let's get practical. Everybody say it like you mean it. That was just a few of us. Let's get practical. You're not going to be surprised by these three things that I'm about to share with you. But maybe while I'm talking through them, you're going to be surprised at how cold you've grown to one, two, or three of them. So I want, us to, I want us to remind us, it's like putting logs in the fire. That's what we're going to do right now. We're putting some logs on the fire. The first one, number one. These are things that are turning up the heat that are practical. Read the Bible. <laughs> read the Bible. we got to read the Bible. Spiritual fire is breathed into our life through the Bible. No spiritual leader or theologian or missionary or seasoned believer in, in, in any walk of life in the world would disagree with that statement. Nobody would disagree that the Bible is the spark, it's the fire starter, and it becomes the logs that make the fire burn brighter and hotter in your life. Now, I'm not talking about just casually reading the Bible. I'm not talking about kind of sleepy-eyed reading the Bible. I'm not talking about reading a verse here or there on your phone while you're scrolling. I'm talking about digging into the Word of God and letting it speak into your heart. There's a story in Luke 24. I love it. Jesus actually meets two people, two ordinary believers like you and me, ordinary followers of Jesus. They're walking on a road, going to a town called Emmaus. And he keeps them from recognizing who he is. And while he's walking with them, he starts to open the scriptures to them. He starts talking to them about the word of God and explaining all the things that they were questioning. And then it says this, after, after he had opened their eyes and they realized they had been with Jesus, it says this in verse uh, 32. They asked each other, were our hearts not burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? And I love that word picture, right? Burning, our hearts burning within us, but God grabbing a hold of our heart through his word, inflaming that passion and that purpose and that praise while we read his word. In fact, I would go as far as to say, you cannot experience a powerful encounter with God without the Bible. It's impossible. It's the, it's the power of God in his word. In today's culture... Even some segments of Christian culture 
Many have disregarded the Bible and disregarded its authority. Right? Many people are deconstructing the Bible. Questioning and diminishing anything we don't like. People get online, they find the blog or the YouTube that supports their unbiblical choice so they can see, see, I think, I'm not, I'm, I think other people kind of agree with me that this part of the Bible isn't really that relevant. So all we do when, we, when the Bible says something we don't like is we just find someone that can be the echo chamber for us. The truth is few of us are actually reading the Bible cover to cover, digging into the Bible to understand what it means. We depend on sermons as great as they are because they are. As great as they are, we depend on sermons to teach us, but they're limited. We depend, on, uh, we depend on, if you will, the herd mentalities to inform us of the hot topics that we don't really know what the, Bib the Bible says about it, so we just let the crowds tell us what to think. And as a result, biblical illiteracy continues to rise every year. And I'm not pointing the finger at you. I'm pointing the finger at all of us. It's you, it's me, it's the church, it's, it's our culture, it's your neighbors, it's all of us. Biblical literacy is everywhere. And the Bible is a rich, deep, mysterious, endless journey of discovery. We must spend a lot of time with it to understand its mysteries, its beauty, its wonder. But we are the Amazon Prime people, right? We want it fast. We want it efficient. We want it now. So anything that takes time, anything that we have to sit with, anything that we have to walk with instead of run with, anything that doesn't get downloaded immediately, we aren't really sure if we have the time for it. But God's word is like a beautiful work of art that the longer you sit with it, the more beautiful it becomes. The Bible is an anti-cultural practice. Reading the Bible is an anti-cultural practice but a fire-building promise. That's just the truth. So, you may have already seen on the card that was on your seat. Uh, you can get that card out if you want. It says, read the Bible and pray. We are launching something today that we think is going to help us turn the heat up. We have a 28-day devotional we are calling. You can look on the back where it says, read the Bible. We are, we are launching a 28-day devotional we are calling Fire in Our Hearts. And you can kind of play this video here. But it's on our app. It's called Fire in Our Hearts. It's written by the people of OKC Community. 28 different people have written a devotional to go along with the book of Acts. So the book of Acts, we're going to read one chapter a day, and then there's a devotional to help support that with reflection questions and prayer, prayer prompts, all those sorts of stuff. It's a 28-day plan to start our year with saying we're all going to read the Bible. How many of you guys think that's a good idea? That's a good idea, right? We're going to read the Bible together. And I think you're going to enjoy it. I love it. 28, day, or 28 devotionals written by diverse people of our community. You're going to get to hear from them. It's going to be beautiful. It's going to be amazing. So we want to start the year reading the Bible. All right? Now, I just say if it takes you 28 days to do it, praise God. If it takes you 40, if it takes you 60, if it takes you 100, I just want you to get it done. Because some of you haven't read the Bible at all, and it's going to take you a little longer to get through it. And that's okay. I just want you to get going. I want you to start reading. You know what I'm saying? So there isn't, there isn't a deadline. Nobody's going to come up to you and say, hey, did you finish your 28 days? We're asking you, hey, you might find it that you can't stop reading it, and you're going to read 28 days in seven days. Hey, I don't care. Do it. Go for it, right? When I encourage us to read the Bible, I typically like to say a few different things. And I've said these things before, but they're really, really simple encouragements. So i got three thoughts for you about reading the Bible. And you're like, man, he's talking a lot about the read the Bible thing. Is this like his whole message? No. No, it's not. It's just a big part of it. 
is he, is he going to talk about anything else today but read the Bible? Um, number one, choose a regular time and location. In other words, be regular, right? This is important. Consistency is huge in our ability to read the Bible. So a lot of, like, a lot of times for me, it's like I got to do it in the morning because if I win the morning, I win the day. And so that may be what you need to do. Some people are like, no, 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 I can't do the morning. I like to do night. Whatever floats your boat, do your thing. I don't care. Just read the Bible. Be consistent. If you're inconsistent, if you're like, oh, I try and put it, put it in, you know, little pockets of my day, guess what? Inconsistency leads to inconsistency. And so I say find a consistent time. Be regular. Number two, read a physical Bible. Read one of these guys right here. And here's the deal. You can read digital. I, don't, I mean, I get it. We're giving you an app. And on the app, it's gonna, you're going to have the phone and your Bible together. And I only encourage you to read a physical Bible because biblical illiteracy is also informed by the fact that we don't even know where stuff is in the Bible. And so we got to get, get used to where we can find stuff in the Bible. Like, where is the book of Psalms? Where is the book? You know what I mean? Like, okay, I know where Genesis is. but where? So read a physical Bible and you'll actually learn a lot more about the Bible. And here's the deal. If you're digital and you're good at all that, I'm not telling, this is personal, maybe personal preference. But it's just a thought. Read a physical Bible. Maybe if you already have a Bible and you're like, I think I want to get a new Bible so I can make new notes and underline it. And it's almost like I'm reading it for the first time. Yeah, do your thing. Have fun with it. Right? And lastly, little last thing about the Bible is every meal matters. Every meal matters. You ever had a really, really amazing, incredible meal? You know what I'm talking about? Like an unforgettable experience. Christy and I, we went out for our anniversary meal the other night. Uh, 22 years of wedded bliss. I love you, honey. Um, but we, uh, <clears throat> we went out for a, it was an amazing meal. Incredible. Like memorable, incredible meal, right? But here's what I want you to know is not every meal is an anniversary meal. Not every meal is a birthday party meal where you get to pick all your favorite foods. You understand what I'm trying to get at? Like every meal matters. Sometimes you're going to have crusty old leftover mac and cheese and you're going to have, you know, the, the Fritos at the bottom of the bag that someone left there because they ate all the Doritos that you really wanted. Y'all know what I'm talking about. You're going to have a meal that was a forgettable meal. It's just a boring old meal. But you know what's interesting about the mac and cheese and the, and the Fritos, those crumbs? They still gave me the fuel to get through another day. And so I'll never forget when I heard a pastor say this one time. He's like, they were like, listen, not every time you read the Bible is going to be this unforgettable experience. Sometimes you're going to read the Bible and it's going to be kind of forgettable. Doesn't mean it didn't do its job. If you quit eating boring meals, guess what? Most of us will die. You got to eat the boring meals sometimes. And I'm not saying the Bible is boring, but what I'm saying is sometimes we have this mindset in the church that if it's not an unbelievable experience, if it's not 100 out of 100, we get kind of bored. So if it's not a sermon that blows your mind, if it's not a worship experience that you're crying at, if it's not, if it's not the best thing you've ever seen, you're like, ah, I think, I, I think I'm going to maybe go to a different church. Or I'm going to go, I don't know if I'm really interested in this God thing anymore. It's, I mean, have you seen YouTube? It's way better. TikTok's awesome. And, and so we have, we have this mindset that everything has to be the best Ever, all the time. But I'm telling you, that's not the way this works. This is about time. This is about consistency. This is about realizing that every meal matters. So we got to throw another log in the fire. Because uh, I'm going too slow. The, um, we got to turn the heat up with prayer. So we read the Bible and we pray, right? I told you these were practicals, right? But some of us have grown cold. We believe everything begins and ends in prayer. Prayer is the pathway to God's presence and the doorway to his power. Oswald Chambers put it bluntly. He said, prayer is the vital breath of, God, of, of the Christian. Not the thing that makes him alive, but the evidence that he is alive. Oh, I love that. Prayer is the vital breath to the Christian life. 
If we want to give this year to him, guess what? We're going to have to pray. So we're going to do a few things to turn up the heat. First of all, starting on January 16th, we are bringing back Monday night prayer. It'll be at 8 p.m. on Monday nights. We understand that for some of you, you're like, woo, and the rest of us are like, I've never been. <laughs> that wasn't sarcastic. <laughs> we understand that Monday at 8 p.m. is not the most convenient thing. But if I made it at Wednesday at 7 a.m. or Saturday at 9 a.m., that wouldn't be convenient either. The motivator for prayer will never be convenience. The motivator for prayer will be the power and testimony of God doing work in and through his people when they come to him and pray. That is the motivator. And if you are motivated by that, then you'll be willing to be inconvenienced. Are you with me? Prayer, Monday night, January 16th. We understand that that's not all we can do. So secondly, besides doing that, there's a story in Acts 1 and 2. We find evidence of the first prayer room, Acts 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Everyone say, one place. Suddenly a sound like a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house they were sitting. So a couple things about this particular passage. We talk about it all the time because this is the moment when the Holy Spirit came upon his people to rest on them. But it says one place. And that one place is widely believed to be known as the upper room. The same place that Jesus had his last supper with the disciples. And in that one place they were gathered together and they were praying. And this is the moment that we see as the birth of the church. And so I've said it before, I'll say it again, but the church was born in a prayer room. I love that. I love that picture. We started our prayer room in our church about four years ago, and it has been one of the greatest things that God has given us to help us learn how to pray, learn how to contend, and experience the power of prayer. So I want this year to, to, to begin by us spending time, if you will, in the prayer room. And we are doing something we've never done. We're calling it 100 hours of prayer. We want to log 100 hours of prayer in the prayer room in the month of January. If you're like, wow, that sounds like a lot. We've done, as a church, 160 hours, 68 hours in a week several times. So I know we can do 100 hours in a month. But it won't be easy. It'll take some effort. Because this isn't a nonstop prayer thing. This is a, this is a lot of us showing up to pray every day. And so it's going to take effort from all of us and a lot of us to do this. So maybe we can even do more. So I'm going to show you a quick video. You can kind of see what's going on. But here's a cool thing we've installed in the prayer room. I'll call it kind of our 100 hours of prayer kind of install. And, and, and every time you come, we just want you to just put up your hour of prayer. So if you were the second hour of prayer, you know, you put up hour two. You can write things on that card. You can write scriptures to encourage others when they come into the prayer room. You can write prayers. You can just write the date and time if you want. I don't, if you're not an artistic person, you're just like, I was here at, you know, whatever. Just do that. But put them up. And we're going to fill up this, this install with 100 hours of prayer. And who knows, maybe it'll be more, right? Maybe it'll be more. But we're going to keep going for it. And we want to pray 100 hours this month. And it'll take some effort. And here's what I know. It takes a step of faith. I know a lot of you will be out of your comfort zone. But I would say, just go for it. We're kicking the door wide open to go for it. Because the enemy will tell you, already telling some of you, oh, they're doing one of those prayer things again. That's cool. I don't really do that, though. Or that feels weird to me. I don't even know what I'd do for an hour. I've never prayed like that before. I don't want anybody to know that I've never prayed at all in my life before. I, the enemy's going to tell you that you don't have to do it, that you're too busy for it. Everybody else will take care of it. The enemy's going to tell you that you don't have to be involved in this. The enemy's going to tell you that you're not good enough to pray, that you don't know how to pray. The enemy's going to tell you a lot of things. 
And I'm telling you, no, you need to sign up for an hour of prayer. I'm telling you, no, whatever the enemy is saying for your excuses on why you're not going to participate, I'm saying the exact opposite, that God wants you to participate in what the church is doing. The church is coming together to pray, and he's inviting you to participate in the work of the church. And so I'm saying, today, get your phone out, because the only place you can sign up is on our website, on our prayer room link, on our one hours of prayer little link. Click that, then you pick your time, and then you're in. It's on your calendar. And I'm hoping that today we fill up 100 hours. And so there's enough of us here if everybody does it. So, yeah, am I wishful thinking? Am I fired up? Probably, probably. But I'm, I'm going for it anyway. If I don't go for it, you're not going to go for it. So I'm going for it. All right. Whew. Prayers for everyone. Prayers for everyone. And lastly, number three, another log on the fire. Get into the practicals, right? Get that spiritual temperature up. It's just simply this. It's just worship, and I know that sounds really obvious, but worship, specifically surrendering to God in worship. Again, no surprise here, but we need to turn the heat up in worship. And what I mean by that is God's breakthrough in your life may come through you surrendering to him in worship. And I'm using the word surrender very specifically, that we have to surrender to him. Worship is the place that we humble ourselves before him. Worship is the place we surrender to him. And so we're just kicking it off this year. I mean, there's a lot of ways to worship. We worship here every Sunday, but this, sun, this Wednesday, we already mentioned it, but we're having our worship night, right? This, this Sunday, January 4th, I mean, excuse me, Wednesday, January 4th, 7 p.m., and we just want to surrender and give this year to him in this moment. And so when you come Wednesday, that's really going to be the focus is surrendering in worship to him, placing Christ as the center. All right. Believe it or not, I said that wasn't the crux of the message, and I'm going to finish somewhere else. So now we're going to turn the corner. Um, so when I say turn up the heat, I, I, do, I do want to say this. I, it's not intended to sound like we're going to turn up the heat like a form of critique <laughs> or, or uh, you better start sweating because the church police is coming after you kind of vibe. That's not what we mean by turn up the heat. <laughs> what we mean is for the pure, authentic, consuming, refining fire of God to touch this church and to touch our city. And that fire, I know, is already burning in this church. Uh, but I really, really hope that as we build it, it's all about turning more and more people who are freezing cold spiritually, who are far from God, who are lukewarm in their faith, to crank up the heat. And it's going to take us building that fire to reach more people as the fire spreads. And it hit me while writing this message that we need to really define what does it mean to have the fire of God in your life? Because some of us might think it means spiritual energy. It means to be like, yeah, I'm fired up. And we talk louder or whatever, right? Like we don't, what does it really mean? Does it mean to have a spiritual high? Anybody have a camp high when you were a teenager? You're like, well, I came home and I was on fire. It's a camp high. Some people do drugs to guy. I do Jesus to guy. Right? Does it mean unshakable commitment? Does it mean that we don't sin? What does is, what is being on fire mean? Because it has to be more than spiritual emotion. It has to be more than God zaps. It has to be more than warm fuzzies, doesn't it? I remember, I remember being a part of a very powerful worship gathering a number of years ago. Everybody in the room was certainly moved having an encounter with the Lord. There was tears being prayed because the Spirit was moving. And, I remember I even had my own moment where it was just like the, the Holy Spirit was ministering to me. It was, it was a powerful moment. And I just, I just know that when we all walked out of the room that night, everyone was on fire. 
So does that what it, is that what it means? That we just need to create more worship gatherings that are these powerful encounter moments. And, and although I love that and I hope that we have those experiences, I, I was struck by the fact that if that's, that can't be what it's about because people all over the world can't gather like this. The church throughout history wasn't able to gather and have these encounter moments. I mean, the church in Acts, right? What did they do? Like they, they had this prayer moment and then they scattered and the fire went with them as they were scattered. And so I'm, I'm thinking like, okay, well, it can't be all about gatherings and all about these spiritual highs. It has to be about something else deep within us, in our hearts that changes us. So it hit me while writing this message, there was something else. And the best answer I could come up with is this, that having the fire of God in your heart means that you've been displaced and replaced. Meaning you've been displaced as the center of your life and been replaced by Christ. And even as a believer and as a Christian, I have to connect with that. I have to realize that I still have to do the work of pushing out the old self, as Paul said, in order to put in the new self. It can't just be Jesus at the center during worship gatherings, one day a week, a few hours a week, and then the rest of the week, I take center stage again with Jesus as my negotiable moral compass that I choose to obey sometimes and other times I don't. Jesus can't be my eternal security blanket, that he has to be actually the center of my life in order for me to truly have that Jeremiah passion in me. So what does it mean to have the pure, authentic Revival fire of God in your life. It means that you've been displaced as the center. You, you as a person. And you've put Christ as the center. We see this time and time in the book of Acts. And that's where we're going to be going in this series, by the way. We'll really be digging into Acts starting next week. And the story of the church. The story where the fire began. And, and you see it though, like right at the beginning when the, when the tongues of fire came on the believers. And it says that they were enabled by the Spirit to do a new work meaning they were displaced and replaced. Paul, when he has his amazing conversion story, of course, he himself continually talks about how he is the chief of sinners. He is not worthy to get to do what he's done. But Saul, the old self, was displaced and replaced by the person we know as the Apostle Paul, who says himself, like, listen, I'm not worthy of this. It's all Jesus in me. Saul was displaced, replaced by Christ as the center. And Paul continually talked about, you know how I know this? You know how I do this? I continually remind myself of my need for the power of God in my life, my need for the presence of God in my life. I continually remind myself that I am a sinner. I'm the chief of sinners, that I'm a rebellious spirit, that I need Christ in me in order to become everything God's called me to be. And so he continually does this, and we must do the same. We must remind ourselves that we, we are just sinners. Like, and, and, and that God in us is what makes us good. And so we have to remind ourselves of this so that we will truly surrender to him. Our surrender comes through our acknowledgement that without God, we are lost. We are nothing. We are spent. We are doomed. But with God, with God, we have something like what we often call in the church world, victory. What we often call in the church world, like salvation. With God, we have, we have truly been given life. If we are to be Christ-centered, we must do the work of displacing me. We have to look at ourselves and say, 
I need to call myself out for what I am. Because when we do that, then worship, that space of worship, there's no lines, no blurred lines between you and God in your life. So the biggest factor in your spiritual temperature is who rules your heart. Is it you? Because the fire in your heart will be Christ in you. So if we're going to cry out and sing, more of God, I need more of you, Lord. I need more of your spirit. I need more of your presence and your power. If we're going to ask for more of him, do you realize that means that we, it's going to require more of us? God cannot fill you with his spirit if you are full of yourself. If we want 2023 to be all for him, it means that we're going to have to let go of things that are all for us. If you want more of God in your life, you're going to have to let go of things, quit some things, stop some behaviors, and repent of some things. So I'm going to close with this. Let's go back to the prophet Jeremiah. We started with this passage, verse 9. I read this at the beginning. He says, remember this, but if I say, I'm going to quit, but if I say, I'll never mention the Lord or speak in his name, his word burns in my heart like a fire, like a fire in my bones. He says, well, then I'm worn out trying to hold it in. I can't do it. Remember that, right? He says, the fire of God in me is so uncontainable. Even if I tried to quit, I can't. Let's keep reading, though, in verse 10. There's more. And then he said this, I hear, I hear what the people are saying. I hear many whispering, terror on every side. Denounce him. Let's denounce him. He says, all my old friends are waiting for me to slip. Saying, perhaps he'll be deceived. Then we will prevail. Remember, they don't want this. They're telling him to just, they ignore him. They're getting tired of his prophesying. And they said, perhaps he will be deceived. Then we will prevail over him and take our revenge on him. <laughs> I mean, I know that probably most of us don't have enemies literally like lurking in the dark saying, let's wait for them to slip. I know that that's probably not our reality, but how many of you have ever felt, how many of you have ever felt the pain of being, people being against you? People not, not cheering you on. And anytime, I believe this, anytime someone says, I'm gonna truly surrender to God, I'm gonna give this year to him, God, I'm going I'm to increase my spiritual temperature. Here's what I know what happens. The enemy starts to come against them. The enemy says, no, 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 we're going to put that fire out. We're going to squelch that fire because the world does not understand the fire of God. They don't understand it, so they want to squelch it. And so when people come against you, when the enemy finds ways to come against you, if you say, I'm going all in, I'm going to build the fire of God in my heart, you have to be expectant that there will be a battle in front of you. But listen to this. The verse isn't done. Verse 11. But the Lord is with me like a mighty warrior. This is one of those verses, right? You're just like, yes. But the Lord is with me like a mighty warrior. And I know someone in here needs to hear that today. I know it because I know that you are looking at the year ahead of you and you know there's going to be a fight. And here's what the Lord is saying to you. If you will surrender to me, if you will let me be the fire in your heart and in, in your body, it, I will be your warrior. Here's the great thing. God is our friend. God is our savior. God is our healer. God, God is all those things. And he's a warrior. He's a warrior, right? 
God is, I mean, think about it. If God is for us, then seriously who? Seriously, who can be against us? If God is for us, who can be against us? God is on our side. Therefore, we might as well go all in. If he's on our side, we might as well go all in. Go all in. God, I'm all in for you. That needs to be our cry. That needs to be our prayer. That needs to be our passion. God, I'm all in for you. We want the pure, authentic fire of God in our hearts. The kind of fire that we can't keep in us, the one that's uncontainable. And I'll close with this little thought and then we'll pray. Some of you, it's time to quit living from commitment to your faith. And it's time to start living from the passion that God wants to build in you. I say that very specifically because when I look across the landscape of the church, I feel like we have a lot of committed believers that are lacking fire. And it's time to build that fire together. Are you all with me? Amen? Amen. Well, I want to pray for us. Would you stand? We're going to pray. Holy Spirit, we just ask you to come right now. We just invite you during this time of response, Father, to move in our hearts, stir something up within us. God, we, we know that, Father, you have more in store, not only for this church, but for each person in this room. And so right now, I just want to, I want to invite you to just open your heart up. You may even say to your own, in your own words, just to the Father right now, say, I'm open. I, this seems difficult, but I want to surrender to you. I love you and I've been committed, but I'm, I'm ready, I'm ready to surrender all. As we sing in a moment, we're going to say, I'm available, God. I want to be available to you, God. God, I pray over this church. I pray over every person in this room. May your spirit move on them right now. May they start to feel the power of your, of your presence, the power of your love. I pray your, your mercies, your goodness, all those things will be start to be poured out, your grace in this room right now, God. Lord, we love you. And we know that, Father, we are, we are nothing without you. So we thank you for the grace of Jesus that comes in us. And Lord, we want to displace ourselves and put you truly at the center, not only of our lives, but of this church. God, we give it to you. Just keep your heads bowed. I just want to give you a little bit of instruction. And then we're going to worship. Heads bowed. This altar space is going to be open. And what better day to come and flood the altar than the first day of a new year? And to say, God, 2023 is all for you. You can pray that I know anywhere, but there's something about the unity of the body when we do things together. And so when we surrender together, when we pray together, when we, when we worship together, it lights the fire in other people. So if you're so moved to respond in that way, the altars are open, our prayer team's here in the front and in the back. If you just want to stand and worship, you want to surrender. You know, we lift our hands in worship because it's an act of surrender. We surrender in battle, we put our hands up. When we surrender in worship, we put our hands up. So that may be what you want to do today is your sign of surrender. Just lift your hands. God, we pray these things for your sake, for your glory. We give you this time of response. Would you move in this body?
We hope you've enjoyed this week's message. If there's anything we can pray with you about, or if you have questions about God, we'd love to talk with you. Please visit our contact page at okccommunitychurch.com.